0: welcome to the learning for life podcast this is stacy and before we get started i just wanted to let you know that the conversation you're about to hear was recorded from a youtube live that we did over on our kids learning for life channel for some reason, the internet was giving us some problems the day we were recording. So, I just wanted to give you a quick heads up that if you hear any audio drops or any brief jumps, it is the result from the internet while we were recording and is not from the connection wherever you are listening to this podcast. So, without further ado, enjoy the show. I'm Stacy. I'm Jenny. And this is Learning for Life, a homeschool podcast. We are two homeschoolers who use different methods, curriculum, and strategies to make it all work. Our goal is to help parents teach kids how to develop a lifelong love of learning. Hi, everyone.
1: Welcome to part six of our series on home education by Charlotte Mason. Part six of this book is called The Will, The Conscience, The Divine Life, and the Child. And I'm really excited to talk about this. We're not only talking about this section, because this section is very brief, but we're also going to get in into, like, our overall takeaways of the whole book. My co-hosts, there's Stacy. Say hi, Stacey. Hello, everybody. And, of course, and Stacy is the one who is not necessarily a Charlotte Mason enthusiast, but I'll tell you who is a Charlotte Mason enthusiast. It's Christine.
2: <laughs>
1: Hello. <laughs> so, we're all here we're ready to wrap up this book together we're ready to talk about our takeaways but first we will talk about this part six of this book and also i do want to remind you that we are live on youtube right now so if you have any thoughts if you have any strong feelings about anything we are saying we openly welcome you to chime in and we can even respond live and also this is not only a video on youtube this is also a podcast on our podcast feed which is called learning for life so check it out in whichever one is Easiest and most accessible to you. Let's talk about this part six, ladies. You guys ready? Yes. I'm mostly just ready to wrap up this book, to be honest with you. But (laughs) I won't. I won't. (laughs) I won't jump ahead too much. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) The conscience, the divine life, in the child. What even is this section, Christine? Can you please bless?
2: (laughs) (laughs) So. I really, I enjoyed this section. I feel like it got a little bit wordy, which could probably actually be said of every section that Charlotte Mason has ever written. We love her, but she's got a lot of words. Um, (laughs) But I really did see this as like a really awesome close and a reiteration of like the underpinning of all of her philosophy. I really loved, like, I would kind of summarize this whole section of, like, reminding ourselves that character is the result of conduct regulated by will. So that kind of ties back to even the beginning of, like, a child's a born person and, like, these habits that we form form us, whether we're intentionally doing it or not. Um, And then also just why it's so important to learn about, like, heroes of the faith and these great examples from the Bible and from just throughout history Um, And also why like consecutive reading of the Bible is so important. I think that's such a vital, a vital thing for kids to learn. And then it's just going to serve you even as an adult, rather than kind of like hopping through things, just like reading it as an entirety Um, on page three forty nine, Wanted to read this part. Mm,
1: I have a note on that page too. Perfect.
2: So it's talking about um, like how you can have, you can have like, um, sorry, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, it's actually page three fifty. like basically she's reiterating that the whole point of this is for people to know the word, to love the word, to know Christ. And I know there's people who may not be religious that want to implement a lot of pieces of Charlotte Mason, but you cannot deny the fact that that was, that was really the whole point for her, was for people to be able to like, have these seeds planted at a young age and then have them, like, develop over time. Um, I love that on page 351, like, she's, this is just, like, super direct. I'm like, there's no, there's no way that you can, like, skirt around this. She said, let us save Christianity for our children by bringing them into an allegiance to Christ the King. Then she talks about like how and like talking to these different things so i just thought that even though the section was wordy like it was just a really great way to just summarize like what was most important to her and then how all the stuff that we just read even when we were off in the weeds (laughs) she believed played a role in in accomplishing this um this thing that mattered the most
1: i do think i think one reason why i kind of checked out in this section um, at least with the first two sections so the um the will and the conscience of this part was because it kind of felt repetitive to me which yeah it's probably a good bookend i mean she was an avid reader so she kind of knows that a book a story a book needs to have a beginning middle and end and so this is a really nice way to close it up but i was kind of like i feel like i read 100 pages on this stuff already yes (laughs) very yeah Divine life um in the child because um as you said there are people you know Charlotte Mason, the Charlotte Mason method is inherently a Christian method of homeschooling. And I feel like that has never really made sense to me necessarily. Not that I'm against that, but I was like, how is a method of homeschooling Christian really? Like, come on, please tell me. So I did think that it was really good to hear directly from her in her words, why that is the most important part and why that's kind of the heart and soul of the whole method itself. And so I thought that this was, um, really profound and uh really eye-opening to me because now it makes a lot more sense
2: yeah and all the all of the literature that she chose was really tied to this so like if you look at like options or like you know if we're talking about like ambleside online again which a lot of those books are books that charlotte mason herself used they all in some way tie back to the bible (laughs) really a lot of them do so there's like a purpose behind it, so there's this continuity, and I think it just makes more sense when you understand that's where she was coming from, because right. she wasn't just like arbitrarily picking random stuff. It was like super intentional, um, and thoughtful about what she was including.
1: Yes, I agree with that. Um, so I a few notes that I had. Um, it basically p- pages like 348 and 349 were where I had notes too. So I said um implant quote this is a quote implant a love of the word so this is direct bible readings not stories or commentaries which i think is really important (laughs) actually in between these two episodes that we're recording today i actually was talking a little bit about this because i am a big fan of the literary life podcast and basically everything that angelina stanford does and she's the host of that podcast and she teaches classes just like
2: it's healing. It's restorative. Like there's just so many great things that come from it. And I love that she, she obviously had a whole section about that, but it really did come up a lot. So I think that that's really important to remember. And then just also that education is a long game. Like it's not this, like, it's so easy to even look at like, okay, like my kid's this grade and we're going to check all these boxes this year. And then they're going to move to the, like, it doesn't work like that. Like it's a long game. Like some years, your kids may like really grasp onto things and they're, you know, like moving quickly through content or whatever. And other years, it's not going to be as quantifiable. And just knowing that it's a long-term game and sometimes it's those little investments of maybe you're reading aloud your kid for 10 minutes a day, but over their, like, lifetime, that's a really big deal. So I was really encouraged by that. And I just saw that um, reiterated a lot in this book. And I, I just really liked that. What about yes. you, Jess?
1: Yeah, so I I think I... I probably took the most away from part five, which was the one we just did, which was lessons as instruments of education. Because I felt like a lot of the previous sections were just a little too abstract and not practical enough for me. I mean, I'm coming from a place where I do consider myself a Charlotte Mason homeschooler. So I'm like, what does she say to do? Because I want to know what to do, give me a roadmap. And um, so part five did have a lot of, it answered a lot of questions for me. And I really loved a lot of the stuff in there, the, um, the math, the history, teaching, reading. A lot of it was just um, really like edifying to me. And it made me feel like I was doing things right or I'm on the path to doing things right. Or now if I wasn't doing it right, now I know what to do. <laughs> so mm-hmm. that's why I really enjoyed part five, um, because it was a lot more practical than a rest. Because I was just mostly looking for, hey, how do, I, how do I do this, guys? How do I do this? Charlotte, come on come and tell me. Mm-hmm. So that's that's where I was coming from as far as this book was concerned. Let's move on to our next question. Which, ha- what have you applied from this book to your life already? Stacy? you first.
0: Okay, so <clears throat> the section in, it was in the habit section, my favorite one, but she's talking about like the habit of like, doing work, like having your child sit down and when it's time to do the lesson, you just do the lesson, you know, short lessons, but it's very focused. And she was writing and she was talking about a child that just wants to, um, dwaddle on their math and just like kind of complains about it and whatever, whatever. And I was like, she's speaking to me because they're, they're She was describing one of my children. And she said, you know, you don't want to let them dwaddle because that's just going to make them want, like, be frustrated with math all the time. So you want to, like, change it to when it's a better time for them. So I have been able to, when I see them getting frustrated, saying, hey, why don't you go take a break, take a 10-minute trampoline break, go outside. And, like, just by themselves, like, nobody else needs to get up and go outside or whatever. You know, my other kids are doing their, their lessons. And it's been working to where it's like, okay, go get some energy out, think, be outside. That's another thing. And then come back. So I've been trying to keep the dwaddling to a minimum, trying to keep the the learning time focused, which has actually been helping my homeschool go faster, which is really great. And then the second thing is narration. So I have been really trying to, um, and when I say started implementing, I mean, um, so <laughs> have not been implementing this this whole time, but I have really noticed that being able to retell accurately, um, especially I've noticed it the most in when I have two children fighting, cause only mine do that. Right. Um, and then they come to tell me what happened, like they, they, you know, they have an issue in another room. They come to tell me and you listen to both sides of the story and you're like, this is not matching up, but. You know, one is telling you about what happened 10 minutes ago and the other one's telling you about what happened just 30 seconds ago. Um, so I've just like been trying to help them realize, OK, you need to find those important details. You need to, you know, um, let me know what's really important. Not necess- I don't need to know that you had it three days ago and now like for some reason that applies here. It doesn't. So, um yeah, I, I definitely have been implementing the narration, having my kids do that after they read aloud to me. Um, I should probably try to add it in after our group read alouds. But currently, the best time that we do those is at bedtime. And so by the time I'm done reading, I'm like, okay, peace out, guys, go to, ne- go to sleep. So I, I, I just, that's something else I just have to muster up the energy for to, to make that happen at the end of the night.
1: All right, Christine, you tell us, what have you applied to your life from after reading this book?
2: Um, So this was the timing of this was really cool for me because I knew like before we read this that I was going to use like 100% Ambleside Online, like Charlotte Mason, because I've been a Charlotte Mason-ish homeschooler pretty much the whole time. But I've never been like, okay, like I'm I'm doing this like 100 percent. I'm both feed in, which I do think it's kind of a process. Like it's not something you just jump into usually overnight. Um, So it was really cool to read this and be able to implement so many little things into just like how I'm scheduling our time. So I have like in our schedule that's already for when we start school officially in a couple of weeks, you know, chunks for like where they're doing their independent reading. And I know like I've built in time for narration, which was something I didn't do before. And that was kind of frustrating to me because I saw the value in narration and we started doing it. But then even though it doesn't take much time, like I wasn't planning for that to be taking place. So then I felt like I was rushing the kids and like that kind of defeats the whole purpose. So I have a lot of like really little practical things like that that I've done. But my favorite things that I've really implemented, um, the first one is the nature calendars. And being the person that I am, like, I used to want to be a naturalist. Like, when I was a kid, like, I wanted to grow up and be a naturalist. So I'm already, like, predisposed to that anyways. Um, And we've done, like, nature calendars. I know we've talked about this in the other videos. But I just started – I gave them, like, each a calendar for, like, the school year. And it's super cute. has, like, butterflies and whatever. on. I found it on clearance at Walmart. It was perfect. But I told them, like, we're just going to, like, when we're out and about or whenever, like, you're going to just write down things you notice or things you see or – whatever and on that same vein I had them pick a tree friend actually two free tree friends like that they're gonna watch all year long and it just it's so simple I don't know why I never thought to do that I think um sometimes the way that I used to do nature study was kind of like them drinking from a fire hose where I'm like look at everything like and I forget like they're not you know in their 30s having learned a lot of things throughout their lives like I have like They're still younger. They're like, look, like they can't absorb all of that at once. So I love just how much more directed I feel specifically with the nature stuff, because that is something that's super important to me. Um, And now they've been able to add like they wrote, you know, they traced the flowers just yesterday, actually, of of the trees that they picked. And they figured out exactly which it was. And they wrote down like the scientific name and they're like super excited about it. And then we went and we watched a bird for like 20 minutes, which it just sounds so silly. But like it was super cool to see them enjoy it. And then also me be able to enjoy it with them. Um, So that kind of leads into just like the watching and observing. I've just been like really, I guess like kind of humbled by like, wow, I really want to focus on this more because it doesn't really take much, but it's something you have to be intentional about. Um, And then the last one would be just asking a lot more questions rather than just giving answers. Um, it's really easy to do, especially when I'm, again, in a hurry. I think that's been a recurring theme. I need to create more margin. But if they ask me something, even like, hey, how do you spell this? Or, you know, what does this mean? Or why does a bird do this? Rather than just telling them, if I know the answer, asking them, well, like, why do you think? Or how do you think it works? Or how do you think you spell it? And not obviously to the point where I'm, like, exasperating them. But, like, helping them really think through that. It's been really cool because I've, I've seen them be less and less dependent on me because <laughs> like, I don't want to have to answer every question. So it's been cool to see them empowered by that. Um, so those are probably my my biggest implementations so far. What about you, Jenny?
1: Okay, so I came to this at a similar time in my homeschool as you because I kind of just like dove in fully to Ambleside Online and using the Charlotte Mason method. So this book was... It came to me at a good point in my life because I'm like, okay, what does Charlotte Mason actually say? I know what the podcasters say she says, but what does she actually say? So, um, I mean, honestly, a lot of the stuff that I'm really going to take away from this book is from part five. So, in particular, the arithmetic section. I know I said math earlier. Sorry, I meant arithmetic. (laughs) Um, But talking about, like, with everything else, it's very much so about accuracy. Oh, I hope it's not cutting out. Okay, there it goes. Sorry, it keeps cutting out. My internet's bad today. Um, But with math, she's talking about figuring out how to do something, why you do this to get to the end goal. And I thought that that was really cool. Like she says not even to correct incorrect math uh, answers. And I was like, ooh, wow, okay. That's a little startling because that's not like any, how she teaches any of the other subjects. Also, I think I... I think the math stuff really resonated with me in the sense that like um, we talked about this in part five, but it, it's kind of, um, it's kind of like the redheaded stepchild. Like we don't really want to talk about math in the Charlotte Mason method because it's not living books. It's boring. It's not words, all that stuff. But um, I think now I'm kind of passionate about like doing math in the Charlotte Mason method. Cause I kind of feel like it's, for me, at least the easiest one to do the easiest subject to teach with the Charlotte Mason method. So I'm kind of inspired to do a whole video on this. So I don't know, stay tuned. Let me know if you guys are interested in that. I'm curious to hear. So, yeah, I think it's, it's just like the practical applications and the things I wasn't expecting are the things that I'm like, wow, okay, maybe I should do that. And so I don't know. I I think that's kind of, that's kind of the thing I took away most from this. Okay. I have a big question for you guys. And we kind of talked about this in our first or second episode. What place?
2: (laughs) Oh my goodness, right? You cut (laughs) off, that was a cliffhanger. You said, what place? We're ready, what What is it?
1: What place do Charlotte Mason's teachings have in modern life? You guys tell me, Mm. who wants to start? I'll go first.
2: Okay. I think the answer to that depends entirely on who you talk to. I don't think that there's like a right or a wrong answer for me I think Charlotte Mason's teachings philosophy method whatever is front and center in how I educate my kids but I I don't necessarily think that that's how it has to be for everybody that's probably not a very great answer but I really just think it depends because you may love what she has to say you may not and that's fine either way
1: yeah what about you Stacy?
0: Okay, so the one thing that I think anybody can take away from this, no matter what um, method you follow, no matter what curriculum you use, um, but the one thing that Charlotte Mason was talking about is having children want to learn. They're not sitting down being forced to learn, trapped in, you know, some small room, like being yelled at, Um <laughs> I'm I'm trying, I'm thinking like military, like drill sergeant or something, Um, but it is making, you are helping facilitate giving them something to enjoy, not entertaining them, but giving them something to enjoy, something they want to do, not what they have to do. So having them want to learn, having them want to explore, having them want to ask questions And no matter what method you're using, this should kind of be everybody's goal is just to have your child want to learn more. Now, what they're going to learn more about is going to vary by child. Everybody's interests are different, but you don't want them to think school is boring or anything like that. Because like in our homeschool, I'm like, okay, we're going to learn. Like we're not just doing school work. Like, cause I, we have, you know, my children have done that too, where it's like, oh, we don't want to do school today. And I'm like, we're not, I mean, you guys don't even realize half the time you're doing school, but I don't call it school. So you're just learning. Um, So yeah, that that's the biggest thing. Um, and I know there is a book, Christine, that you were talking about, When Children Love to Learn. Can you talk a little more about that one and who, who wrote that? Connect with each other and the past, present and
1: future. I think that, um, Art is so important and I'm not just talking about visual art. I'm talking about, you know, even these history books that are so well-written. I just, I love them. So I think that um, that if people want to experience beauty again, then they can do the Charlotte Mason method and learn all about this, even alongside their kids. Even if you don't know anything about the fine arts, even if you don't know any of these books, I think anyone can do that and expose their kids to beautiful things. And that's the end of my TED Talk. Thank you. Um, <laughs> um, I just read The Truth and Beauty. And I also bought a copy for Christine and sent it to her. And I'm super inspired by that book. And now Charlotte Mason people, that I like modern day Charlotte Mason people, everyone's talking about this book. So you guys should all read The Fits Truth right. and Beauty. Fits yeah. right
2: in with the whole thing. All of yes.
1: it. Yes. And he's not even a Charlotte Mason guy. I don't think he even knows who Charlotte Mason is. It's written by a man named Andrew Claven. I don't think he even knows anything about Charlotte Mason, but... I think beauty is so important and he really taught me that in that book so i'm passionate about this now okay let's talk about our takeaways and like future like further reading that our audience could do if they want to learn more about charlotte mason or anything we discussed in this book can i go first really quick just because i have some examples on hand yeah okay so the few books that I have on hand. So um, Stacy, earlier today, we were talking and she kind of brought up the book for the children's sake. I think she did. I don't know. This is by Susan Jason and the natural laws of education. And I think um, this is something that we get into a little bit in this book, but I think it might be in other volumes. Christine can speak to that. The, um, the natural laws of education and also just like the science of relations and all that. So I think if the internet's cutting out again but yeah both these books they're all great okay let's move on (laughs) (laughs) I is there anything else we wanted to talk about before we completely wrap up this series I can't believe it's like the end of an era it's also the end of summer uh (laughs) (laughs) I think this is a hard book and I don't want people to walk away like discouraged from The Charlotte Mason Method. It's a hard book even for people like Christine and I who read a lot and especially read a lot from this era. I mean like Victorian books are like the best. So (laughs) uh, Stacy there has the modern annotated version translation. And so it's a lot easier, it's a lot more accessible. The only thing I would say is that there were some things that weren't included in there, obviously if it's like a shorter modern translation. So if you want Charlotte Mason's actual words, read the volume like if you're serious about it but if you just want to like figure out if this is like semi for you then you can check out that um translation that's available on amazon that's actually my copy stacy so i expect it back i'm just kidding and
2: you can keep it i add something if you're someone that's like hey do i want to do things in a charlotte mason way i would not actually after having read this recommend home education as your first as your first volume to read right. I think Philosophy of Education um, is excellent. It's still, like, it's still written in a way that it's not super accessible. Like, you got to kind of take a little bit of time because there's a lot of words and all of that. But I think that gives you a way better overview. And I think that it honestly prepared me to read this and enjoy it more than I probably would have if I had not read Philosophy of Education first. So she does have... Good.
1: And what about what about school education? What are your thoughts on
2: that? One? School education. Um, I have not finished it, but I enjoy it. It's it's basically for like that nine to 12 age. It's not as like in detail as as home education was, which I think, you know, could be a good thing or a bad thing, depending on who you are. Um, but I really can't say enough great things about philosophy of education. I think it just especially if you're someone that wants to just get your bearings of is this something I even agree with? Is this something I want to implement like for my kids? She also wrote that one, if I'm not mistaken at the very end of her career. So she has like the most experience under her belt and had, it was just really, really good. So if you're like be Charlotte Mason, but don't give me the weeds, (laughs) like just go straight to philosophy of education.
1: This, it's a question I see come up all the time. Which of the books should I read first? Cause they're not in like any sort of chronological order necessarily. So I think that's a really good distinction to make because maybe home education isn't where we should have started, but it's what we did. I so. Agree. And if you have
2: younger kids, it's the most applicable. Like maybe you don't yeah. want to know the whole big picture. You just want to read something that says, this is what I'm supposed to do now. And then this. Um, so yeah, it's my thoughts. Yeah.
1: Well, I love it. Well, I appreciate everyone joining us for the Summer Book Club. I appreciate my co-hosts, Stacy and Christine. I had so much fun meeting with you guys on a pretty regular basis. I think this was like a good excuse to get together and talk about a book. So um, if anyone has any book recommendations that they would like us to do for potential future book clubs, let us know. You can always email us at kidslearningforlife at gmail.com. You can also just find us on social media. We're at kidslearningforlife everywhere. You can also check out our website, Stacy just had it up, um, kidslearningforlife.com. We have our new film unit studies out, and we would love for you to check that out if you want to learn together as a family while watching movies. I mean, how easy. We couldn't have made it any easier for you to homeschool your kids, so do it. And also, I wanted to remind you that Christine can be found on her blog, christinegustin.com. She also has wonderful YouTube videos in which she kind of goes more in depth about the Charlotte Mason method and how she's been using it this year, which I, I love, I love hearing about that. (laughs) And I think other people will too, who are interested in this whole series. So I think it's time to wrap up our book club. Thank you guys for being here and we will see you next time. See you next time.